This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, hello, boys and girls, and welcome back to the Ho 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 Homestel Radio Podred Calendar. Now, before we open door number three, let's check the mailbag to see if I've got any letters. Ah, yes, right. Uh, this one's from Helen, 42, from East Croydon. Let's see what she's after. Dear Father Christmas, on Christmas Eve, I'd like you to sneak down the chimney, tiptoe into my bedroom, Pull back my duvet and give me a ruddy good... Uh, oh, uh, uh, um, we uh, better put that on the very naughty pile. Don't want Mrs. Christmas reading that. No, thank you. Right, anyway, let's crack on and open up door number three. Okay, behind the advent door today, we have Richard Shaw. Hi, Richard. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you very much. And of course, we have Mr. Nick Philport ably assisting me once more. I'm still here. Thanks for joining us, Richard. Pleasure, Nick. No problem. Sorry, Mr. Chubby, yesterday, pal. No problem, mate. Right, let's delve straight in. Obviously, uh, you're a, you're, well, you're a Palace marriage. You came sort of through the... Uh, through the youth system at Palace and uh, became a, a fixture at the club for a number of years. Um, and there's there's a lot of incidents I'd like to talk to you about where we're limited on time. So, uh, first of all, what was it like um, breaking into the first team at a, at a pretty young age? Um, it was difficult. It was difficult in a, in, a, in a way, obviously, sort of grew up in a sort of school of hard knock, shall we say. I mean, the younger players today, which have... Which I'm, which I'm sort of coaching now. I don't think I've any ideas how tough it is at times um, to break into men's football as such. Um, it, was, it was quite hard, you know. You, you got you got people like Jim Cannon and Mickey Droy were there, and Andy Gray, Tony Finnegan, uh, Mark Bright, and Wright, and they they were quite tough on the younger players, to be honest. Um, more disciplined with us guys, but I have to say it was, it was a fantastic environment to grow into. Myself, John Slarko, Dale Southgate, Chris Coleman when he signed from Swansea. You know, we all benefit under, under the tutelage of these guys, and and the firmness and hardness, as as it was, this told you no uncertain terms. We did something wrong, and I think the discipline we had 
with them guys, I think was excellent. And I think it stood it in, in good in good stead, not just about football, but in life in general. Um, so I, I love I love my upbringing at Palace. Wouldn't change it for the world. Wouldn't change it for the world. And it's, uh, it's you know it was it was a very very successful period as well. I, you know over time, I can recall you. I think it was at least an England B squad you were called up for, or at least on standby at one stage. Am I right in saying? Yeah, I was. I was. I was called up for for England. I think for England with the um, with the Umbro Cup. I think it was in '94, '95. Uh, we had Brazil, Japan, and Sweden. You know, I joined up the squad, but unfortunately, you know, never never got a game. But just to be involved in that was a was a real privilege and an honour. Twenty one squad, I know. I was sort of in and around, but never quite made um, made made a game as such. But to be to be to be talked about in them sort of circles was 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 great for me. But and again, I think that was, that was a lot of it was due to my upbringing, you know, with, with through the youth team and reserves at Crystal Palace and the upbringing that I had with the guys that I played with. Now, you um, you played uh, a, bit, a fair bit of fullback, but also centre-back. And obviously, not the tallest for, for a centre-back as well. Does that, that sort of encourage you to sort of learn, should we say, different disciplines in terms of defending? Because it wasn't all about sort of heading the ball out. and You know, you had to be a bit more clever about it. Yeah, to be fair, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I love playing centre back. I mean, full back was not a position that I, I, I particularly enjoyed playing. I have to say, if you sort of set yourself out there, not so much exposed. So I was always quite quick, but being centre back, I was always a good talker and a good organiser. Um, I, I, I think my strengths were I, I read the game well, and I think one of my strengths were I actually enjoyed defending. I mean, yeah. if you look at my goal scoring record, it's probably not eventful. I have to say, um, <laughs> for both for both Palace and Coventry and the other clubs I pay for, but. I actually was one of them guys that actually really, really enjoyed defending. And I, and I got a real, you know, a real buzz out of keeping a clean sheet and, you know, marking someone out the game. You're up against different different opponents, whether that be Omri, Bergkamp, Andy Cole at the time at Newcastle, you know, Duncan Ferguson at Everton. And, you know, these all bring different challenges. And for me, it was about rising to that challenge and about seeing how I could compete against them. And, and I much prefer playing centre-back because... You know, I think I had a good relationship with the likes of Chris Coleman. It was, was a real good centre-half partner to play alongside. We were best of mates and you sort of took that onto the field. Um, but the back was one for me because I was, I was non-stop, always talking, always talking. That just seemed a real good fit. I think maybe if I'd have been six foot three, six foot four, then who knows, that England call that might have occurred. Who knows, you never know. But that, I agree with what you're saying about the height thing. It's always something that was sort of thrown at you throughout your younger careers. Yeah, yeah but would he make a career there? I've always disagreed with it. I, I always think if you read the game well and you get yourself in the right position as a defender, I always think that saves a multitude of sins. Right, absolutely right. You talk about marking people out of the game. Memorably, uh, Eric Cantona was at the end of that at Sellers Park in uh, January of 95. And obviously there was a... That was the incident where you did basically just wound him up so much that he ended up kicking you on the ground and getting himself sent off before the infamous sort of kung fu kick and everything that followed. But so I just re- rather than sort of focus on the the sort of unpleasant incident, if you like, let's I want to sort of get your view on on how the game was going up up until that point. Did you did you feel the frustration from Cantona? Do you know what I, I, I mean? That was. God blimey, 20, what was that, 25 years ago, was it? Yeah, yeah. 95, 95 yeah. 15, 22. I'm maths, I'm getting older now, so I'm maths. I mean, that was just so long, <laughs> I can't believe it. That, that, it, it seemed like only yesterday. I mean, what, what, what I remember about that game is, is I think it's Andy, they just signed Andy Cole from Newcastle for seven, seven million, seven and a half million maybe. And, and you know, in Manchester United, he come to sell us under lights. I always thought night games at sell us were, 
were very, very special with the atmosphere. I mean, look at the atmosphere now as well, but but even back then, you know, Sellers Park under lights always had a very special atmosphere. But I mean, you know, when you're playing against Manchester United, any team we played against at Palace, you know, at that time, they're always going to be difficult games because, you know, we never had the, the squad depth Manchester United have, Arsenal have, Liverpool have. So, you know, even due to semi-final of the FA Cup and the final, you know, we always knew we had to work hard. That was our DNA. We had to work hard and we had to compete. And that game was no different. From my, my best election, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a dirty game. It wasn't a game where it hit this number of fouls. I think it was just a Crystal Palace game where we had to work hard to get something out of the game. If that meant getting tight to people defensively and marking them, I remember Gareth in midfield um, had an exceptional game. His goal, when I noticed all Ricky Newman's goal, Colin, but we had to fight for everything. You know, and there's, there's, there's no shame in that. And it, people will think, often think we try to kick Manchester off the park. It was nothing like that at all, in my uh, recollection. Okay. I think Manchester United were getting frustrated because they were going for the league title. And I think yeah, we might be one at a time or, or it's nil-nil. You know, and that's understandable. But that's just being professional in a game, really. But there, there was nothing underhand. Um, I think if you look at that sort of season, Eric... I think he's, he, he found a few people who got sent off, yeah. if I'm my recollection's right. John Munker at um, Norwich, I think John Paulson at maybe Swindon or the other way around. You know, and Eric was, what I will say about Eric, he was just an unbelievable player. I think people forget that. And I have so much respect for what he's done in football and how he's transformed Manchester United and everything he's done. And I thought he was an unbelievable player. The incident that happened afterwards was just an unfortunate incident. Something you probably see once in a blue moon. But you know what? It gives things. It gives. It gives an opportunity for people to talk twenty five years later, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's um. Yes, yeah, it was. It was obviously a very, very sort of surreal, surreal moment. But yeah. uh, what what I thought was, uh, again, look, just looking up the, the details, I didn't quite realise. Obviously, I mem- obviously remember you you leaving for Coventry. Uh, I didn't quite realise that you'd done. You'd done effectively done nine years as a pro at Palace. <laughs> And then you got a testimonial Coventry for ten uh, for ten years. Do you ever think that that would that would happen? That's that's incredible, really. No, yeah. You just wonder whether it happened this day and age now with the movement in football as it is, and you know managers go in and and in a different sort of turnaround of players in terms of the playing staff. But I, I was always one of them where if, if I enjoyed if I enjoyed playing football, I was happy with my football. And I was quite happy where it was going. I, I never chased anything different because I always think if, if you're doing well at a certain club and you're happy you're playing well then everything else takes care of itself and even when I went to Coventry you know I, I, had, I had opportunities to move um, further north um, different, different variety of clubs and you know I was always happy at Coventry you know at Palace as well you know we're playing the Premiership you're playing against the best players in the world in Europe um, and you're testing yourself against different opposition week in week out and I was always very happy. My family was very happy. You're happy in your family life and you feel quite content. I've never been one to go chasing different opportunities. One regret, maybe I'd love to have played abroad, whether that be America or something like that, maybe for a year or two and just, just, just sign for a different culture. But, you know, you can't get everything in life. You know, I, I, was, I was very happy at the clubs I played for and uh, I was always treated very well. And every time I'd go back, that's fine. Probably apart from the last last year or last year of commentary, maybe that was a bit different. <laughs> but, but, but certainly at Palace, you know, I, I was always treated very well. Come back, and I'm now back working there now, so it's like a full yeah. circle. 
Well, before you, you came back to take over the under twenty three, she obviously had some coaching uh, experience at, at Millwall, and then moved on to. Uh, well, eventually you were you were caretaker manager at, uh, at Coventry, wasn't it? Am I right in saying Coventry? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Coventry. Yeah, the same sort of thing happened at Millwall. I, I, I actually went to Millwall with, as, as as a reserve team manager, and uh, I think I was thirty seven at the time, and uh, I was out of contract at Coventry. I remember. I think I remember sitting around a pool in Mallorca with my wife and my two my two daughters at the time and I got a phone call saying do you want to come to Millwall is that a contract and I was like not sure about that but as it as it sort of transpired it was actually I was actually worked there for six years two years as a player and four as a coach I ended up just playing that that year I think I played something like 37 38 games you know yeah. I finished that year as a 30, 38 year old one player of the year there and in the following year and then, the, and then the progression went into coaching. So I ended up working under Kenny, Kenny Jack at the first team level, which was a great experience for me. So I had two or three years uh, as, a, as a coach there and learning, learning, you know, from 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 a good future, shall we say, because Kenny's a very experienced manager and now he's doing well at Portsmouth. And then um, left there, uh, Kenny wanted to bring his own people in, which which was fine. That's football, that's life. You sort of, you sort of move on. Then I went back to Coventry and, and Andy Thorne, who I knew well at Palace, was manager there and, I basically went back to a club that was in absolutely turmoil in terms of financially, in terms of just got relegated to League One, and in terms of different owner, different diet. It was just a complete mess, you know. And I think within a week I'd gone in and I thought, oh, wow, you know. And you just knew, I knew it wasn't going to last. Um, and it was actually a relief when I left, to be honest, which is a shame because it's South yeah. like, my time at Coventry was, I had a good 10 years there, the t- testimonial against Celtic, you know, my, my daughter's first time I came to see me play, and it, it was a tr- terrific time playing. And you go back, and he, I think I lasted two or three months, and I was, I was relieved to go, to be fair. Mark Robbins came in, and I, I tried to, like, talk to him about that. I just wanted to get back down, just wanted to get back home, to be perfectly honest, if truth be known. And it was quite a relief, finally, finally leave. And then I had a bit of a, a bit of time out. I went to America, I went to watch the NFL, which I'm a big fan of. Um, I went and watched the Dallas Cowboys a couple of times. My friends got a season ticket, and those Detroit Lions are on my side. I ended up watching a few games, and then I got a call from Chris Bassey and I wanted to do the under 16s, which is something totally new to me. Um, so I said, "Yeah, okay." Then I had two years under 16s. I've just been doing a year and a half now in the 23s, and development is, 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 is what I do enjoy now. That's it, and then um, you know, obviously the. You know the youth system at Palace, being being it being something that you came through yourself, but also being something that, yeah. that the club in general are intensely and the fans are intensely proud of. Um, but as a as a Premier League club, you know, as an observation as a fan, it does seem much harder these days for for the kids to to break in unless you've got someone who's truly exceptional. Is that a, yeah. is that a fair comment? I think it's a very very fair comment, and I think I think you're quite right. And I think if you look at the average age of the Premiership debuts now. For young lads, it's something like 22, 23, 24. It's, it's something ridiculous. Um, it is difficult, and the reason being, the, the Premiership is now it's a global brand. Um, it, it, it just they're sort of in a way caught up in their own sort of bubble. In a way, you know, managers now they haven't got four or five games to bloody younger player. They haven't got that. You know, they've got four or five games to win games. If they don't win games. As you've, as you've seen with Frank de Burge, you see with different managers now, then the managers move on and someone else comes in. So they, they yeah. really haven't got time to blood the younger ones unless you've got a real exceptional talent or unless you're, you're a manager who, who's, who's like an Arsene Wenger, shall we say, Alex Ferguson, who had time 
to put them players with successful football clubs and you've, and you've got that time in the League Cup or whichever, whichever competition it is to blood them players eventually bring them through. I mean, Fabregas was an unbelievable talent at 17. We could all see that. And they, they are one of a few. But in terms of Crystal Palace, in terms of teams that are trying to find their way in the Premiership and be stable for the next couple of years, and sometimes it is a risk when you play a younger player. We've, we've all got to be honest about that. And, you know, if, if you blood younger players when you're in a battle to stay in the league, that's tough on a young player. And, it, and it's tough for the football club as well. So it, it, it is difficult. And I do have sympathy for the younger ones and managers now that haven't got time to sort of blood them as younger ones. Um, I don't know the solution unless unless you change the rules where you have to have two homegrown players on the bench week in, week out. But I don't think that's going to happen because the Premier League set their own rules. Yeah. And I think the Premier League want, want a squad of 25 world-class players at every single club because it, it will sell it will sell their product hence the tournaments in Hong Kong before the game, before the season starts, and they're talking about 39th game now and this and that. So I just think, you know, what a Premier League, are the Premier League, I think it will be difficult. It, it will. It's certainly, it's, it's certainly a difficult balance for for managers uh, and, and players alike. All right, so uh, Nick's going to jump in now with some quick-fire questions, just as we, uh, as we look to turn this very Christmassy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I've just got a quick question, if you don't mind, Richard, about Cup Final Day. Of course. You've walked onto the pitch, you're lining up, okay, and you look to one side and you see that mass ranks of the Palace fans. What was your, what was going through your mind when you saw that that sight at Wembley? Oh, I'll tell you what, Nick, you love finding a question about 30 years ago and I'm getting old. <laughs> Not as old as me, mate, I can assure you. Uh, do you know what? I think we've cut the final day, and it's funny because you talk about it in the past. I think because we were quite young, I remember being with John Slarko quite young, I don't think you really get grips and appreciate the day for what it is because you all think oh, I'll come back again in a couple of years time this is great I like this but yeah. it's difficult people don't really have difficult it is to get to Wembley and playing FA Cup final so people say you've got to cherish them days because they may not come around again and, and they're very very right we've got through to a few more semi-finals I believe uh, Palace and certainly in the League Cup but the Cup final day was just yeah, it was just you look back at it now blue and red everywhere and you know, you're playing against Manchester United, you, you, you're going all around the world. I mean, probably one of the one of the most exciting cup finals in many a year, a three-all draw, if you use part of that. The replay was obviously a damp squid. Uh, not just the result, but also the kit we wore and everything that went with it. But yeah. in terms of the actual <laughs> in terms of the actual day, you know, you're playing against the likes of Paul Lynch, Brian Robson, Mark Hughes, you know, in the FA Cup final as a young lad, it's just it's just unbelievable. And I just thought for Crystal Palace you know, we've never been involved in one and, you know, we went for the semi-final, which was just probably a better day than the final at times, uh, kind of thing. But yeah, it's, it's just immense proudness. It's just you're proud you're representing the football club. And for me, personally, coming through the youth system as well, it probably made it a little bit more extra special for me because the football club, we looked after me as a young lad. You know, I come from one-parent family, times were hard, yeah. um, very much. You know, and the football club used to send down a car for me to go training at Mitchum as a young 15, 16 year old and you know I, I was I was looked after as a young lad the club did a lot lot for me and for me to represent that club in FA Cup final was a very very special moment for me very special Great stuff now bringing it back to the Christmas theme a little bit is there in the Shaw household is there a fra- favourite Christmas tradition with your family? Is there a, a, a tradition? Um, 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No, we just probably like any other family, really. We have the family gathering, families come around. I think the big thing is, 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 is it's not so much a tradition, it's a pain in the pain in the backside for me. He's having to go up to the loft and bring down about three Christmas trees. And I've got yeah. three daughters and uh, everyone doing the decorating. And I'm looking at it thinking it's just complete and utter carnage that goes on in the Shaw household <laughs> uh, with, with decorations and who does what. And I've got a 10-year-old that wants to do everything. And then we've got music playing at the same time. And it's, it, there was a Christmassy feel about that. But it's the fact that I'm traipsing up and down the loft on about 10, 15 journeys, up and down ladders and bring everything down is uh, is something I could do without, I have to say. But yeah, listen, I'm probably being far humbug now, but um, it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. But yeah, it's always done one Sunday. It's always done one Sunday with a bit of music, a bit of food to it. So that's always nice. It's very special for girls as well. Special time for everyone. Tell me, can you? I know you're still connected with the club, so I won't ask you anything too taxing. But is there any secrets you can tell me from one of the staff Christmas parties? Anything that's happened at the staff Christmas parties that you'd like to tell the fans? <laughs> um, oh, I can't. I can't think of anything that would probably go out on radio that you'll get arrested for. Um, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, we we we. I've been out with, with, with the first team staff uh, last year, and it was just it was just a very very sociable event. You know, a, a dinner in London, and um, the football club the football club to be fair organised it. And uh, to be fair, they're always for me they're always they're always good events. You sit down, you you mingle the rest of the staff. What happens at any after party? I'm not I'm not privy to, but I'm sure there probably will be a few stories at an after party. But like I said, for me, it's there taxi home, and I'm quite happy with that. Good man. <laughs> We're moving towards the end now. Um, just one final thing. We, we know we've had a difficult start for the season, but if you had a message for the Palace fans out there, what would it be? Uh, it just be just 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 keep supporting the football club as you do. You know, I've, I've gone to watch some of the first team games, and 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 the crowd are just unbelievable. You know, even when I played there, you know, they never turn their back. They always support. You know, and I've, I've seen some games this year where the club have been one nil down, and, and the guys are singing, and the atmosphere has just been sensational. You know, I'll just say, just just keep on doing. I mean, everyone in the football club appreciates it. I know they do. You know, we we we're lucky enough to train at Copa's Cope with the first team of Blade. I know you hear the first team players the same message, and that support is it is is speaks volumes. It speaks volumes. It's worth points. It's worth points. And you know, we need a few points. Um, I'll just say to the fans, continue doing what you're doing. They're just absolutely brilliant fans, and long may it continue. That's great, Richard. And just just before we let you go, can you just give us a little uh, Christmas message for the supporters as well? Yeah, I'll just say to the all supporters, just you know, have, have a fantastic Christmas, have a fantastic New Year, and like I said, uh, drink plenty, 
<laughs> but also, you know, but, but also your, your health is your wealth. I think sometimes, I think sometimes we always moan about things we haven't got and this and that. But stay healthy. That's the most important thing. And like I say, have, have a little thought for everyone not as uh, not as privileged as yourselves. Fantastic, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Really enjoyed it, and uh, have a great day. I'll jingle my bell and empty my sack. Wasn't that splendid? Do join me again tomorrow as we open the next door of the Ho 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 Holmes Tell Radio Podcast Calendar. And be sure to like and share every episode so we raise more money for the Palace for Life Foundation. Otherwise, I'll have to do a dirty protest down your chimney on Christmas Eve, and you wouldn't like that, trust me. See you tomorrow. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.